0: fun day and today I have the lovely Lisa Lennis thank you thank you so much for being on my podcast we were chatting earlier and now I know I always like to get to know people beforehand and now I know I really like you you think like you and I think alike already like we were just we were kind of like bsing before but um so nice to meet you and to talk to you and I feel so related to you Please introduce yourself. Tell my audience who you are and how you got into comedy and everything else so we can get to know you better.
1: So my name is Lisa Lennis. I am from Queens, New York, born and raised, and I got into comedy. So it it was an ongoing kind of experience. Um, I My first mic, like first ever like open mic. Mic in my hand, joke spit out. Was in 2015. I pussied out. I waited until I finished college, but during college, um, I was doing like open mics, like -hmm. college mics, which were like it was just mics that where you do like music and poetry, and I would be there just telling jokes. I would be the only only comic. That would tell jokes, and it got to a point where the school was like, "Why don't you just host them?" <laughs> and I was like, "All right, I don't mind." And then one day uh after midterms, I remember going to what was the Creaking Cave, and the guy I was talking to at the time was like, "I don't want you to get mad," and I was like, "What did you do?" He's like, "I put your name in the bucket," and I was like, "Oh my god!" I was so like shaking. And he, we, it was like three minutes, but it felt like four hours up on stage. And it was like the biggest bomb ever. But then I told myself, this was after the first mic. So I came back and I told myself, I was like, I have, I don't know what it was, but it was something that I, when I was on that stage, I was like, I have to tell my story. And I kept doing mics, kept doing mics until I got booked on one show at the Creaking Cave. And this is how I was like, man, this is insane. So I got booked on a show for March 13, 2020. Mm. And then they announced the shutdown. Oh, and man. The first ever show was canceled. And... I never made friends with people that are in my class, like my starting class. So right. I didn't know that comedy was still going on. Right. So it wasn't until, like, I, like, this is how I know the pandemic was getting me. I was I went jogging one day. Uh-huh. And I went to Athens Park, and I stumbled upon a, like, show, like an actual comedy show. It was called Street Talk. And at that show, I met uh, Jared Waters. And then Jared Waters was like, hey, come on over. Come into the swamp. And ever since then, I just kept doing it.
0: Wow. Yeah. So this
1: is a random
0: jog you just did. You just went out
1: one day, and then you run into a, I a comedy show. I, it was in Athens Park here in Astoria. I was running, and then I, I hear, like, a commotion. I don't think anything of it. And I see, like, there was a lot of people there that had, like, Puerto Rican shirts. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, we're not supposed to be out. It's a pandemic. And I realized it's, it's a comedy show. So I sat down, and I, stuck, I like, stayed around, and I, I was watching all the acts. And there was one act, Jerry Waters, where I was like, dang, he, like, owned it. He owned that park and it was funny because there was no mic their mic gave out so it was just jared talking into the air and he just wow. like he had everybody like captured and i was like i need to talk to him and it wasn't like in that matter of like uh like who is this person it was more like i i that's who i want to like i want i want that i want to experience that and then jared was like come on come to the swamp and he just brought me along I would follow him to shows and like I would meet people met comics and just work my way up to where I am now
0: wow Wow. that's a crazy story because May 13th happened and everything was shut down and then just one day you weren't even thinking you were just in the right time in the right place it's funny how things work like that
1: yeah it was a March 13th and then that show was going on a couple months after that i remember my first official show uh-huh. is, this is how i tell my uh, like anniversary my comedy anniversary was november 11th 2020 wow yeah so yeah i'm about to be pushing 3 to 4 years now actually technically uh-huh. doing shows yeah, doing mics, doing mics, I was doing mics for about two years prior to the pandemic, but I'm like, I'm my class is considered like a, a pandemic mic, like a pandemic comics. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pand- we I, came out, we came through the swamp. So,
0: right, yeah, yeah. It, it was somebody else I interviewed that started during the pandemic. So prior to that, uh, you said you were in the beauty world. What did you do?
1: Yeah. Um. So before I started doing that, I worked uh for a beauty company and I would be I started off as a freelancer I went to beauty school I went to Paul Mitchell Beauty School and then I worked in a salon hated the salon and I was like I gotta do money my own way like I can't I can't do this so I signed on as a freelancer for a beauty company and I would do different um different things like one of my one of my biggest ones was uh I worked on the set of Orange is the New Black as a backup Mm. comic as a backup comic as a backup makeup artist
0: oh you out with uh, the background or something
1: no I was just like I was doing the 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 other not the main characters but the other the backup characters yeah their hair and makeup that's it I wasn't really like I wasn't really like lead makeup artist if I got
0: you. In. Yeah, what what IOTC or something? You, so you got an Ayatsi, or they just called you for that day?
1: They just called me on that day. Oh, uh,
0: cool. okay. I worked the last day on "Aren't Just a New Black" because I got my SAG card. I remember. Oh. Yeah,
1: because oh, no, so where I live is very close to where they used to film. Yeah, and oh, okay. Yeah, so then I uh, the person that hit me up, they emailed me the night before. They was like, "Hey, this is the very last minute." but do you have your kit? Do you have this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, all right, I know where you live. I know it's very close. You think you can make this call time? And I was like, absolutely. I'll be there. Oh, cool. Because I, kn- I didn't tell me what the name of it was. They just mm-hmm. was like, you need to be there. And I was like, all right. And I knew exactly who it, like, what show it was. Right. I was like, they've been filming there the whole week. Like, I know who it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: worked the the very, very last day,
0: I think of it, because I, uh, I was in LA for 10 years, and then I came back and i worked like but i was that
1: was season 1 oh season. that was a while ago that was a while ago yeah, yeah a while ago and then after that i was just doing like uh fashion week and like obviously uh porn stars and strippers whoever wanted to get their makeup done hair and makeup done and i also like i would do uh i had my regular clients that would do highlights and balayages and stuff like that and then i got to a point where it's like it's a passion hair and makeup but it wasn't something that I loved Mm, I I was like this is quick money this is very much quick money this is not something that I loved so I dropped everything and was like I'm not doing beauty anymore I'm going to college um I want to get a degree in media and I went to Hunter College. I got a, a degree in media with a minor in um, political sciences. And I just, I, I had this period of time where I was like, I, what do I want? I felt lost for a good five, four to five years. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because at the moment. I was also like struggling with self-identity and who I was. Mm -hmm. So that's where a lot of my material comes from, from that part of my life to where I am now. And it was, it's mainly because I I used to, well, I'm still a bigger woman, but I used to be very big Mm -hmm. during college. And it's, I mean, anybody can tell you that image is everything. But when you're a, at, at the moment, I was, like, 24, 25, and everybody that was in college was, like, 18, and they were just, like, so snatched, and I was just there, like, like, I would just, I remember waking up one day and hearing all my bones crack
0: mm. as
1: I got out of class, and this girl was, like, damn, and I was, like, first of all, mind your business, Yeah, like, it was just, it, it, those four years were a lot four to five years were a lot. I was so happy when we shut down and I had to finish that last semester at home. I was like, <laughs> I love that. You loved being,
0: I yes, enjoyed the yes. pandemic. I enjoyed. Oh
1: yeah, I love the pandemic. If we could have another one, I would. I know,
0: one. that's how I feel too. Like it's bad for me to say, but I had some good times all by myself. But if you love your company, that's
1: good. Cause it's like, it's better if you, it was, was great I talking to. I was talking to somebody about this. I was like, if I could do the pandemic all over again, I would I as would. wrong, as wrong as this sounds, but the pandemic really made everybody realize if they loved themselves or hated themselves, because yeah. you had to spend time by yourself. This was a time where everybody had to sit down and be like, all right, am I a good or a bad person? Because honestly, I really hate myself right now. And there were people that were like okay at home because they were okay with their own company. Yeah. They were okay with being alone. But like, I got to a point where it's like, how can I reinvent myself during the pandemic? And I was telling some, I was, I can't remember who I was talking to. I was just like, you know what? If I was, if we go back into another pandemic and we shut down again, Oh, man, you know what I would do? I would fuck everything. (laughs) I I would fuck everything. I I was just, because I was like, during the pandemic, I was very much like, I sheltered myself, I cocooned myself, and I didn't get to experience the things that I should have been experiencing at that time frame. Like, I feel like I really missed out a lot in my 20s that I should have, like, already experienced, and I'm experiencing them now. Right. So I I just so I think I I wish I was in a better mindset, especially after college. It was just like a lot for me. Well, but I loved every moment. I, of it. I
0: love the pandemic, but I'm older, so I was more fearful of death. So that's oh. why I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, that
1: makes sense. Uh, yeah, the pandemic I was, was uh, alarming for everybody. Yeah,
0: for me, I have bad lungs, and like when people were saying stuff like. Oh, natural immunity. Um, I don't have natural immunity. I'm going to die. Like if I get that, I get pneumonia very easily. So it, it, it was fun and I was able to make my own routine and that was cool. But like, uh, yeah, it was cool. Like it, it, it was cool where a time where we could be by ourselves and we could enjoy ourselves. And I was glad I didn't, my kids weren't young at the time and I wasn't stuck with some, uh, those are the people I feel sorry for, stuck with toddlers.
1: Well, now I, uh, so I'm a pre-K teacher now. Mm. And I deal with a lot of those pandemic babies. And what I've noticed about a lot of them is um, millennials were shitty parents. Because we were ra well, we're millennials. We were at that cusp where it's like we're always told, you know, we're the reason like everything's happening. Mm-hmm. So it's like these new kids don't realize that you know we have that. Yeah. But then. Are the parenting methods I've seen lately? I'm like, what is going on? What are we doing here? (laughs) Because it's like, I'm not a parent and I can't speak on anybody who parents. Like, I don't, I can't say, don't parent your kid this way, don't do this, because I'm not a parent myself. But what I will say is, like, I'm technically a mom from nine to five. Right. I'm watching your kid, I'm seeing how your kid is acting. I know how, like, I know certain things about your kid that you probably don't realize is happening. And it's because you're not, like, you're not fixing it. Yeah. They're not We're just so busy. Yeah. We're so busy. We're so busy going to our nine to five and being the lawyers and being the CEO executives and stuff like that, that we don't realize that sometimes we have to actually sit down with the younger generation and be like, it's going to be better for you guys. Don't worry. Because we're so millennials, we're so like, we're making the future better. And then we have Gen Z who are like, fuck the future. We don't give a fuck. We're going to smoke weed and be gay, which is cool because we made that path for you guys. Yeah. I'm going on a rant. I'm going on a rant. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. I'm Generation X. So I'm not, I see the difference. And I was out with my cousin that is a millennial and her daughter that's like, the kids three or four. And the whole time she's like, are you, do you want that? Are you okay? Are you going to eat that? Oh, good. Are yeah, you? Good? And, and she was like, on. Like, she was helicoptering the whole time. And me, this is my generation and people might be, I was like, does she, hey, you need the chicleta? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, she doesn't know what she is. I go, she doesn't know what the chicleta is. And um, I have two kids. One is, a, I have a millennial daughter, actually. And then I, cause I started very young. Very, very young, mm-hmm. and I don't look old because I'm Latina, of course. And then I have uh the generation, uh, was it Z now? Mm-hmm. And I told her, and she was the wild one, the generation Z, the millennial you know, the chincleta. And I had to tell my cousin, I go, You see, my younger daughter, she didn't get the chincleta. She goes, We don't do that in our house, we don't do. She, she and she's telling her daughter, what choices are we making today? And I said, you know what choices turn into? Choices turn yeah. into do we want house arrest or serve jail time? That's what choices turn into. Like
1: here's uh, here's my stance on discipline. Yeah. And again, I'm not a parent, so I yeah. can't speak on this. But <laughs> you do give a child an option. Sometimes like I'm not I'm, we call it the cozy corner. It's technically timeout, but we can't yeah. say timeout nowadays. You can't say
0: timeout now?
1: What, what the it's hell? It's not a positive word, apparently. I'm like, okay. No,
0: my God. Is jail a positive word? Like, that's what they need to realize.
1: <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh-huh. When they are younger, you are conditioning them. Yeah. You're telling them, this is what happens when you do X, Y, and Z, right? But they're on T-U-V. They're not even at those letters yet. Mm -hmm. So I feel like as a parent, as if, if I were a parent, I would see my child, see what's going on, try to fix it. If they go against that, then that's when the discipline happens. I'm pretty much like... All right, you want to act out? Cool. Take away the phone. Take away mm-hmm. the iPad. That doesn't work out. You want to be even more worse? Cool. Now you have to deal with me hitting you, mm-hmm. because it comes to the point where it's like I have to physically hurt you, in order for you to get it through your head that you can't do this. Mm-hmm. But that's only. I feel like that would be only for like the adolescents. Yeah. When they're toddlers, I don't. I don't believe in disciplining with the chunk of or, or anything because they're, they're babies. They're still molding. They don't know the difference mm-hmm. between wrong and right. So when you're at an age of like 10 to 17, you know, what's wrong and right. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. when all the discipline should be happening. Yeah. But when they're younger than that, I, I personally feel like it would be too much. Like it's, you don't know anything that's going on so you're trying to go along with the flow but like it's just i i don't believe in hitting younger kids like toddlers and stuff like that and maybe just just because i have a classroom of like 22 kids that i control all the time yeah. i uh, yeah with this i, I could literally just be like hello and they would literally just stop everything uh, and that's what... because i've gained that trust in them
0: mhm
1: they know that my classroom is a safe space, and they could have fun. But some things have to be done before we do anything. Yeah. So, I I'm a firm believer in not hitting your kids younger, unless you get like, I I'm not gonna lie, I'm I was a horrible kid. I was. <laughs> I was. I used to do the worst things ever. I used to throw myself on the on the ground and like bodegas and stuff when I didn't get toys and stuff like that and my mom used to drag me out by my hair and I think that's why I have the mindset where like I don't want to hit um my my kids if I have any at a younger age because I'm traumatized from that.
0: yeah
1: but I I don't know sometimes the talk before (laughs) we're talking but sometimes the talk
0: before I think that's that's what needs to be addressed now with society the talk before when you go out like hey we're gonna go out you're gonna behave if you misbehave when you come back home you're not gonna get this like that talk beforehand that's important and that's what parents like that that's where my cousin should have done she's doing the talk when we're at we're eating and the kid is just minding the business and then I, 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 and then, but she was like too much. My cousin, she was like, do you want this? Do you want that here? Do you want this juice? Do you want that? Like, God damn, let the kid breathe. And then when I, yeah,
1: sometimes that helicopter behavior makes the kid worse.
0: Oh, it was making me worse. Like chill out. And then what was (laughs) funny is I'm, I'm, I'm the next day. I think but my cousins in Florida and two days later, I'm on the, I'm on the uh, bus and then there's a, a lady with a two-year-old and the little boy is quiet, right? And then all of a sudden, the little boy's quiet. He's being very good. He's not crying. He's not nothing. All of a sudden, I hear, do you want your Cheerios? Do you want this? Do you want your juice box? How do you want this? Do you want the?" And I'm like, the boy ain't, he ain't even. T- <laughs> That's
1: hilarious.
0: I was like, he, I wanted to tell the mom, me and him just want to chill out <laughs> and the boss. And look at the, out the window and just zone out. Like, can you leave it alone? Like, this mom was like, do you want your juice box? Do you want your Cheerios? Do you want your snacks? Do you want? No, we want to just sit there and zone out for a moment. You know how you go on the bus or the train and, you know, I could tell the kid too wanted to zone out. We wanted to zone
1: <laughs> You just want to chill out and relax.
0: Yeah. Like, let the kid relax. Yeah,
1: helicopter moms really be ruining it yeah yeah like, i do it, I deal with a few where I have to constantly be like, I think it's okay you let him fall every now and then, yeah, like you're not gonna learn how to get back up if you're always being picked up, like you have to let go of the leash yeah. <laughs> if that makes yeah. me- Meta- metaphor metaphorical leash yeah
0: yeah so you're a t- you've been a teacher for how many years now,
1: three Three. Oh,
0: okay. Well all while do
1: wow, you're doing a lot. Yeah, um, early mornings, late nights. Oh man. I feel like there's a sacrifice to had. Yeah. For like the ending of what I want. So yeah.
0: Yeah, Now we all in the entertainment business, we all have to have like some sort of side hustle to keep the dream alive and to do you know, something to pay our bills and then to go, I know when my podcast, both of my podcasts, I have to do other stuff to just survive and live. And that's just, you know, what we have to do. So, you know, when, in the arts world.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I was, um, I got, when I first started, when I was unemployed also. So mm -hmm. yeah, I was able to do a lot of mics and a lot of different things to move up because I had time on my hands, you know, mm-hmm. I had I had nothing else going on for me. And then I got to a point where it's like, I have nothing in savings. No. I think we have to like actually find a job. And then my my cousin who's like uh she's like the uh like Department of Education district something, whatever, and she was like, We need substitute teachers Mm -hmm. we'll pay you this amount an hour and this amount um a year or you can go 12 year 12 month contract with this school and get this pay and i was just like yeah i'll do that it's fine like i started off subbing Mm -hmm. and it was eighth grade and once i uh stopped the subbing they picked me up as a ta Mm -hmm. and now i I am a pre-k teacher which I oh, think uh, is the best age. I'm not going to lie. Really? My kids are fun. My kids are amazing. <laughs> I can play, like, I play a lot of 90s house music, like, uh, Little Susie and CB, uh, CBG and all that. And, like, just freestyle music. And they're like, we're having parties. Like, they're, it's just fun. I let them express themselves how they want to, like, it's pre-K, like they just need to know the basics of one, two, three, and ABCs, and they're good right. to go. Like they already know their ABCs, they already yeah. know their one, two, threes. Like we're just gonna have fun now.
0: Oh, that's good. And then you can't do that with like twelve or thirteen year olds, though. So. They would, they would uh, be. <laughs> well,
1: with my my twelfth graders, I would play Bad Bunny. There's a difference. Yeah. With them, my my uh, my older kids, I got a lot of. Le- I'm not gonna lie, I like teaching uh, older kids as well. Because older kids are funny. I got a lot of my best material from older kids. Really? Yeah. Like, I was just like, you guys are stupid. I'm going <laughs> <write> this down. You guys <laughs> <laughs> are dumb. Look at, look at you guys. <laughs> and and I, I would just be there <laughs> writing jokes about them. And I'm like, you know what? This might actually work on stage. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. So them kids gave you some good material. Yeah. To this day, I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teaching material I do I do talk about a lot of um, personal stuff as well um, I'm very much dry satirical um, you know I speak about body image and being Latina and also nepotism I always talk, I talk a lot about nepotism oh um, yeah uh, <laughs> So it's like, uh, it's a broad right now. My material is very broad, but it's also based on me. So it's very much storytelling in a certain way.
0: Yeah, that's a majority of, I love that about comedians and you get to know some of them, you know, through listening to some of their act and all that. That's what's good. Now that we see more diverse comedians now that we have, when I ever did, because I'm a lot older, then when in my day it was just all white males, and that was it. And, yeah, and I, it, I, I mean,
1: I grew up I, when I started watching comedy. I grew up in that era of like you know the kings of comedy like uh, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Bernie Mac, uh, Steve Harvey, even people like Ricky, um Vicky Javes and. I I started watching a lot of Black comedy more Mm. because it was something I could relate to. Yeah. Because even though we had, like, George Lopez and we had, you know, Angela Johnson, I don't really relate to a Mexican-American Yeah, as a Colombian and Puerto Rican woman. So some of the things that they were talking about, I'm like, it's a, really. it's a different.
0: It's a. I get. I get what you're saying because it's a different world. Uh, when did I move to the West Coast? I'm trying to think. I can't even remember.
1: I moved also to the West. Another thing. It's like West Coast, West Coast comics, West Coast material. I was just like, okay. right.
0: Be, no, being from. I'm originally from the East Coast, but when I first went to the West Coast, there was a lot of things that were foreign to me. And you're right. Like. I couldn't really relate it's like I totally get that because it's like that's why I, I was like huh huh uh, uh, uh things were so different I even they even say stuff like uh so used to saying bodega is the little store and they say something else you know what I'm saying And our language, a lot of things are different in our language so I
1: totally get what you're saying because I know yeah it, it's different even when I I traveled to the south I was like damn there really is a world outside of New York. Like <laughs> it's not just New York culture. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no, yeah, yeah. I've had different comics and even like, uh, I had one comic from Miami and I saw him post something and the but he was in New York. And then I said, did he really just post that going to New York? And then I checked again. I'm like, Oh, he took it off. He knew to take it off while he was in New York. Cause he, they're they're really in a bubble down in Miami. They're in a a real big bubble over there. Um, with with everything going on politically, Miami
1: Miami is so funny. I did a show in Miami, and it was at the Ritz Hotel. Man, I ate the biggest cock in front of those white people, rich white people. <laughs> I was like, man, you guys hate everything I'm saying. They were just like, hmm, at every little joke, and I was just like. Well, you guys were absolutely horrible as an audience. And I hope you treat the next comic better. And, no, and they're uh, in a
0: they're in a bubble over there in Miami. I could say it uh because even like my cousin posted something on Facebook and I'm like, What? Like he he said something whack. Um, I have family in New York, I have family in Miami. And uh they in that's the one part of the country that the Latina population is different. And I could attest to this and I'm half Cuban. I could say I don't agree with them, but um
1: It's it so goes- funny. Last night I hosted a show with Cubans. hmm And I was saying my material and there was like we can't relate. And I was like, why is that? And they're like, oh, because we're Cuban from Miami. And I was like, oh, so you're Republicans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, they started laughing right away. And I was just like, thank God. Because I was just like,
0: these are the
1: type of people that want you to just be the dancing monkey for them. Yeah. They want the act. They want want the whole thing. Like, that's another thing that I've learned as a comic. There's certain crowds you have to like pack it up because that's what they're looking for. Yeah, And there's certain crowds that actually genuinely like raw material. They like the realness. So sometimes I'll switch up my set just in case. But I also, like, depending if I'm in, like, another state, I like to take two hours before and just... Like, walk around the area, see what the vibe is, pick up some of the culture, and try to bring it on stage. Yeah. And um, try to relate to that crowd, especially like being a Latina and being a comedian. If I go into a room full of white people, I already know what they're looking for.
0: Yeah.
1: I already know what they're looking for. They want the spicy, rambunctious, loud Latina. And the first thing, I'm just going to be like, hey, what's up, everybody? And if they don't like that, I already know I'll rip what they want. So now I have to be like, oh, my God. Hi, everybody. I was oh, my God. You look good tonight. Yes, you do. Like, I have to change everything about me. Yeah. And, I mean, I've gained that skill set, thank God. But it's just like, I want to get to a point where I could just... Be you. Be me on stage right. and not be bells and whistles yeah no they they would with um a lot of
0: entertainers that are latina they do want to like stereo they stereotype us so badly and they put us in this pigeonhole and you have to act like this like we can't
1: just be ourselves (laughs) like sitting here it's like just having a raw conversation i it's what i enjoy and what i want to bring to the stage but people are like but what about when when did you come to this country and it's just like I was born here oh I God. yeah
0: I hate when they ask that when did you come no the worst co- I was in a lift a couple probably a couple of months ago I, and the guy goes did you come here legally or illegally and I was I was, like,
1: are you legal <laughs> I was so
0: like mad and I said I was born in this country Like what the fuck kind of did you come here
1: legally or illegally? I couldn't believe he asked that. You got you got it better than me because I remember going in a lift one time and I was going to Jackson Heights and I got in somebody's auntie, somebody's thea, driving Mm -hmm. me to Jackson Heights and she was trying to sell me Herbalife while (laughs) in the car. I was like, "Girl, get the fuck out my face right now!" Oh, I'm Um, sorry. Can we cut Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Uh Oh, (laughs) I got scared for a second. I was like, "Oh, no, no, no!" You can.
0: Don't worry. Um. Oh, man, she was trying to sell
1: you. Herbalife. I was like, girl, get out of my face right now. Man, but see. that's just something that I deal with on the daily. I'm uh. over it. But yeah, I, certain crowds, you know, offer it.
0: Yeah, yeah, Literally I know certain crowds. And like I said, Miami's that weird bubble that they they don't realize... This is the thing, like my cousin made a comment. I couldn't believe it. He made a comment about the Little Mermaid. It's not going to be the same. So little
1: real, bit. About, the new. The, the, it's ma- going to be the
0: same. The first one wasn't real. It's not real. <laughs> it was a mythical. Cre- well, no, no. I wanted to put that. So a little bit of history about my cousins. Mm-hmm. My cousins are half Cuban, half Arabic. When 9-11 happened, he was put on the no-fly list, okay? Okay. This cousin has never left Miami at all, right? I so badly, and I kind of had a refrain because I so badly want to put, tell me you have never left Miami without telling me you've never left Miami. I wanted to put that under the Facebook comment for the pure ignorance of that because, when I first left, I was raised in Florida. When I first left and I went to the East Coast, I really saw how prejudiced I left. Um, I lived in Tampa, Florida. I saw how prejudiced the rest of those this country is. And when I say in Miami, they don't realize the bubble they're in that
1: they, they would. I tell you, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I have family members that live in Miami and I'm just like, what? <laughs> Yeah, they what? don't
0: realize. Yeah, they what don't realize. What
1: pineapple do you live under? This yeah,
0: is, no, they need. They, like, they all need to go live in the middle of America and then have a great wake up call. Every one of them. It's
1: it's just. <clears throat> excuse me. It's just like. It's. It's upsetting. It's upsetting yeah. because one, you are a minority, mm-hmm. and you are think you have this mindset. Or it's like, it's not going to be the same thing because, what, the mermaid's black? Are you aware that you yourself are a minority that is oppressed in this country? An cra- Arab cra- American that's on a no-fly list? He got and put on the he-
0: no-fly list. That's the craziest thing, and I remember when that happened and the fact that he's never been outside of Miami and he was making this comment, and I was like, and then I'm looking. What got me is I'm looking at the people that are dropping comments, and again, they're all from Miami, making these comments. And I'm just looking in, like, oh my god. I'm, I'm not even gonna deal with
1: this. the level of embarrassment. Yeah, he was like, there. Are, there are moments where I like I just sit back and watch. Yeah, and just I let people. Dig themselves in a the hole, right? Because it's not like it's not like y'all don't have the right education to know that what's right and wrong, mm-hmm. especially with this country's history. And yeah. for somebody to say it's it's just like I'm gonna let you dig your own hole. Yeah. I'm gonna let you dig your own hole. I like- for a mythical creature. <laughs> I that, exactly a <laughs> mythical creature
0: <laughs> a like mythical. I so. yeah so I uh yeah I stay away from that but it is it is very very different uh over there and I'm but I'm very happy to be in New York and I feel like either New York or LA is a place that
1: I love to be in um is there a you reason know? you do this over zoom and not um at a studio Well, I was doing it at a studio and
0: I'm currently trying to get my own studio together.
1: I know a few studios. I'll send you a link when we're done. Okay,
0: I was doing a couple things at um, WTF studio and I've shot over there. Oh, I just did. I just did a
1: a podcast there called uh, Horrible Horrible Decisions. Oh, that's a bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good, very popular. I did that I did that podcast and I uh-huh. I was like I know this is a this is out of my tax bracket for sure. <laughs> I, I walked in there and I was like, wow, y'all yeah, got studio lights. No, yeah, they have. Like-
0: I'm trying to do my own. I would like to do like my own studio. Um, my other podcast, I primarily do it via Zoom because it's way easier. I have a lot of people out of town, um, but it it's just a matter of like every time I go get a studio, I have to line up the schedule with somebody. And then I've had it, I've, I've actually like rented the studio and then people don't show up and I'm like, "Ah,
1: I'm in the hole now. That's upsetting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you're financing, like you're doing everything yourself. That's the thing. It's like, yo, and then, um, I would podcast. You've got to be like very, very, like on top of it with your guests. So, it's a pain, but what I'm trying to do is get my, I got all the equipment and I'm trying to get it like all together and then do the studio like that. Cause I've done some episodes in studio and some in zoom and, uh, it just depend. It just depends on like, uh, like I was out of town last weekend for Chicago and, and it was
1: just like, everything's getting on. All right. My, I, I was in the project, so you don't hear that radiator. I got project heat going on right now. Oh.
0: <laughs> i i know that right? i have the same thing i'm in a building that's was built in 1908
1: i think so i have the same yeah like they and that's just light. that's just light heat Oh uh, i get i got mine in, in the middle of the night middle.
0: it's like bong bong oh bang. yeah like, mine wakes me up in the middle of the night too i've had it where i would like jump i'm like oh my god is somebody breaking in
1: but when that comes on, I know what season we're in. I'm like, ah, uh, we're <laughs> fall. We're going into winter. Yeah, this
0: weather is going like it was 80 degrees a couple of weeks ago, and now it's hot.
1: Oh, we're dying. We're it's we're not we're not. Lost. You you I don't think it? it. I I am like we're as the earth we're dying. We're depressed. Oh yeah,
0: the no snow this year. This is just crazy.
1: I was I'm terrified because I was like wait we didn't have a blizzard no not at all we didn't have anything and I was just like we're dying this earth is dying
0: yeah no and then over in Los Angeles I watched um because I have a lot of friends over there it was raining and pouring like never before in fact it snowed over there I'm like how is it snowing yeah I saw that I was like whoa this, it's freaking... People don't believe about climate control, but it's something real.
1: It's something... And it's so funny. I met a couple yesterday, the day before, at a show, and I was like, how'd you guys know each other? And they're like, we work for... uh, We're scientists. And I was like, oh, what kind of scientists? And they were like climate scientists. And I was like, oh, you guys are trying to figure out about the Earth and when we're going to die? And they were like, yeah, ideally... And I was like, how many more like years do you think we have underneath our belt? And they flat out were like five years. And I was like, oh, my God, five years. I was like, I don't even have kids. Oh, <laughs> I, well, I don't want kids. But I was like, I don't even have kids. Can you try Five years. They they say that five years until everything starts. Decrypt. They they're like going crazy.
0: Yeah, because this summer, it's going to be scary how hot it's going to be here in New York. Oh, I feel
1: like we're going to have a, like a, um, what are we having? A uh, blackout. I feel like we're going to have a very big blackout again this year. I don't know if you remember in 2000, um, what was it 2003, we had a blackout that like took out all of Times Square, all of Harlem, the Lower East Side, like a- almost all of Manhattan.
0: I, re- I remember when that occurred. I wasn't here at the time, though.
1: It was. It, first of all, I, at the time, I was in Queens. Uh-huh. And uh, my dad was like, the streets are black. Like the streets yeah. are, it's dark outside. And he was like, oh, my God, it's the war. Like he got so like, triggered. He was like, it's the war. It's happening right now. I was like, I, I, oh, gosh. How old were you then at that time? I think I was like eight, nine. I was young. Because I remember, I remember moving from where I was to here around 10. Yeah, so I had to be eight or nine. Yeah, eight or nine. So I was, I was still, I was still a kid, still a kid. Oh
0: wow, I remember when that happened, but I think I was in Florida, two thousand three. I had to be in Florida. Yeah, I remember exactly when that happened. Florida. I feel like we're
1: gonna have a very, very big blackout. Very. Oh
0: man, I'm have to be prepared.
1: I I was like, if we have a blackout, as long as I have like coal for my hookah. And like Cold water. for your hookah. <laughs> I don't know. As long as I have coal for my hookah, some water, and a blood, I'm good. <laughs> I think I'll survive the blackout. Oh man, I just wouldn't want to be
0: like on the subway or something when it goes out. Oh my
1: god, that's why I was like, I'll freak out. Because last night, I the M train got stuck between <sighs> 42nd and 34th for 25 minutes, and oh. I was freaking out. Freaking out! I was, I was like, "Yep, tonight's the night where I die." Oh man, like, what time of day was that? It was like eight, eight forty-five to nine uh-huh. fifteen when it started moving. Because I remember texting the producer of the show I was supposed to host. I was like, "Bro, I literally just got out of the tunnel." Like the, t- like the M train was stuck, like oh. stuck, and he was like, you need to get here now. And I was like, first of all, don't disregard what just happened to me. Oh, I hate when people are like that. Like I was, just- I was like, I won't go. How about that? You will have to host your own show now.
0: <laughs> Making demands to just fly there when the subway gets stopped.
1: Like Who, What? who are you? Who, who are, are you? you? Right.
0: So tell me about um you host Bodega Kids. You started that now?
1: Yeah, I started that show uh twenty one. Mm-hmm. And just like you, I like was in the scene and I was like, there's not one show catered to Latinos. Yep, and I was like, I'm gonna start it. I just started it. Um, the first show I had Shadi Diaz, Jared Waters, Jake Velez, uh, uh, Danette Rodriguez, Matthew Aravallo, and it was in a little Cuban restaurant in Astoria. I was mm-hmm. like, I want, I want comedy in Queens. And I'm I'm still trying my hardest to get comedy shows in Queens because all these shows are in the, in Timbuktu Manhattan or Timbuktu Brooklyn and I'm like why don't we have comedy in Queens I feel like Queens went once we lost the Creaking Cave we have nothing here yeah and so I started the show there but I didn't realize how much of a curse that place was. Because every time I would have a, I would have to uh, start flying for the next show. There was a new manager. Mm. I was like, um, "Hi, like, uh, just want to confirm for the next show. This is the date." And every manager I spoke to was like, "I'm no longer the manager there. I'm no longer the manager." Mind you, this was a biweekly show. Oh my gosh! I was like, "Right, we need to find a new spot." So I moved it to Tiny Cupboard. And mm-hmm. then we got some in tiny cupboard where's tiny cupboard at? Uh Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah.
0: By me. Brooklyn.
1: Uh yeah, I think Bushwick.
0: Oh, okay, that's far. Yeah, yeah, I know. But still But it's still Brooklyn. far.
1: It's like it's in it's in that cross between where But it's that's like, not too bad it could to be get Queens.
0: Okay, that yeah, Bushwick is it's convenient for you guys that are in Queens, but I get what you're saying because Man, um, I had to move during the pandemic and Queens, nobody, there was no places to move to in Queens. No. Nope. The residents are there. The
1: people, yeah. are, the working people are there in Queens. So you're right. Dude. Because it was, it, Queens has always been a place where people are like, oh, only like exclusive people live there. And it's like, no, the working class, the immigrant class lives here. And we're not moving. This is why when you come to Queens, we have an area for everything. Yep. You want you want some good old Arab food? Go to Corona. Go to 120th. Go to Corona. Go to 120th. Get you some good uh, Egyptian food. Or even Stanway has some good Egyptian food. You want some good Ecuadorian food? Go to Jackson Heights. You want some good Japanese and and sushi and stuff like that without flushing why do
0: you have to go into the city the korean food i went somewhere um in korea in flushing and it was like awesome and i was like i never want to go to the city for like i'd rather go to flood yeah everything authentic is over there in queens even brooklyn i'll be honest i live in brooklyn and i've had more bad experiences with restaurants in brooklyn and anywhere else like i call brooklyn is broken like
1: bro (laughs) The only good place I like going to Brooklyn that I really enjoy is Peaches and Sally's. And that's, like, in, like, Bushwick. But that's, like, the Bushwick where you're, like, you walk and you're, like, two blocks away from Queens. (laughs) So it's, like, it's that Ridgewood meets Glendale type of borderline. Yeah, yeah. But, um... Oh, so we moved the show to Tiny Cupboard. We did a couple shows there, and then I met Alex Caravaggio, and then he was like, "I have this room uh, behind my vegan restaurant," and I was like, "Uh huh," like I'm listening. He's like, "I want more Latinos um, to do shows there," and I was like, "Well, I'll do like I'll do one, and then we like it, we'll continue." I fell in love right away with that room. I don't know what it is about St. Mark's Comedy Club, but the room—it's such a good room to do work in. I call it my—it's my favorite work Mm room—is St. Mark's Comedy Club because it feels so homey. It feels like home. It feels like you know this is catered to us, and. I think obviously because it's 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 Latino owned, but more importantly, like the people that come in there have just raw natural energy, and you know I never had an incident at St. Mark's where, um, I didn't feel at home, if that makes sense. I but it's it's upsetting now because they don't have the restaurant on the front; they just have the comedy club in the back. Mm. and um but they always they produce dope shows all the time we don't have it there anymore um we did a we did two pop-ups at the stand Mm -hmm. and we sold out there and then um i'm not gonna speak ill on the stand at all but the stand is the stand that's all um we got an offer from New York Comedy Club and I took it because I felt I felt like this is a show that should be in a club. All right. But I wanted it to be in the right club, if that makes sense. Because New York New York Comedy Club to me, like every time I see their flyers, it's always a mixed lineup. It's not always white, white, white and then yeah. a black home. Yeah. Or, um, it'll be like three white women and one gay man, and uh, they're all white. Yeah. And it's just like I, I I like the diversity that New York offers. Also, the staff is amazing there. Like, there's never been a moment where me and the staff had an issue, mm-hmm. and like I've just been having it at New York comedy club, and we're coming up on our two year anniversary, so I'm excited about that.
0: Oh, nice, nice. I love to see young producers doing their thing, and I love representation because we certainly, as a community, we need more of it. Especially yeah, like, the fact that we're in New York. Like, how the hell? Like, it it just doesn't
1: make Well, sense. even if so, like, because uh, I've been producing a lot of different shows. Like, I produced uh, Cheese Brosas with Shadi Diaz, and we did two shows, those sold out. They were really good. Um I did Bad Babies with Zubia Med. And that was that's I that got turned into a podcast. That show oh, got wow. turned into a podcast because it was just a show we the show's description was creating a safe space for toxic people. And what we would have people do at the beginning of our hosting sets is submit anonymously toxic trades or something as a red flag that you find, and we would read it out loud, and we would riff off of that, and even have comics come on stage and be like, all right, this is the one that I picked, and this is how I feel. And just, you know, just have, like, it was like, it was funny. It was a good little, like, uh, kind of satirical, kind of way of saying like yeah we're toxic and we're fucked up but let's have fun yeah and uh we turned that into a podcast so that's coming out soon and then now I have a show with JJ Matisse called Stick and Span which oh and I saw that
0: on your flyer on IG I seen that too yeah I wanted to ask about that
1: yeah so we did that well in Queens at this place it's called Urban Regan Roots urban vegan roots here in Astoria and it was so dope. So dope. And like we're doing that as a bi-monthly because me and her just have so much projects going on. So yeah. I'm excited for that to launch. But right now, the baby is always gonna be the baby, which is bodega kids. And that's like that's the show that has the name.
0: Yeah. No, when I saw that flyer for bodega kids, I was and that's when I discovered you I'm like I need to have this woman on my podcast.
1: Uh-huh, She's doing you.
0: something. So, and I caught my eye and I want to see the show too. I just have to get my schedule aligned and keep an eye that. And then you, you need to do what I was telling you earlier. What, what every comic should be doing for it. What us chuckle fuckers like to do is pin your next dates on your Instagram or your Twitter pages, or even your Facebook, like use that pinpoint so people like me can go to, I have like my list of comics that I want to see, but, you know, Friday, I might be able to go out or Saturday, I might be able to go out. So I'm looking for people. And if I don't see, if it's kind of like, if, as I'm looking through IG, if I don't see any recent shows, I'll miss it. So I think if every comic takes advantage of, uh, you can do it on IG, you could do it on Twitter, you could do it on Facebook. They start doing that. People like me are going to go, you know, we'll take advantage yeah. of yeah, because you're on my I do it sort of like as a guy, I go the notch on the po- sort of like the way the way I look at comics is the way like a straight guy looks at like he wants to fuck different girls. But me, it's I want to go watch different comics. So like a notch off my post. Oh, I saw that comic. OK, I want to see this person. I want to see that person like uh and I have. Like probably about like five or six comedians that I follow that I'm looking for their shows and I'm just looking for my schedule to attend. So there's a lot of people like me. I'm just giving like marketing advice to ever comics are listening. I love that. Not,
1: well, no, because it's no. I've like sorry to cut you off, but I'm constantly being told like I need to put out more more uh content. And it's just like it's so draining.
0: Well, yeah, it putting out content's work by making a flyer, like on Canva, for instance, and then putting your dates is good. And you know, that content making, it's really, really freaking hard as like, I do TikToks. I have three TikToks now because they kicked me off. I, I, you know what I mean? Me keeping up with my YouTube has been bleh, impossible and my Facebook and all that other stuff. But you know, like I'll follow comics and I'll see like a couple sets and I'll be like, oh, I want to see them. Oh, I want to see that. So, but it's a matter of, the schedule lining up for us. You know what I mean? There's people like me. I'm I'm too old. I don't enjoy going to night. I went to a comedy thing last night, but it was, they had in the beginning, they had loud music. And I'm like, hey, I came here for comedy, not for music.
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the thing about comedy. Like I, my shows with day kids, I always have a DJ. I always have a photographer on deck. And
0: for well, me, the,
1: bas- I, I w- the
0: basic songs are good. They had the music pumping up ultra loud that you couldn't hear anything like it was too much it wasn't like a song and you could hear you know it was like you you walked in and it was loud and it was like an I had a, a whole hour and a half before the show started
1: oh so it's probably like a warm-up from the DJ yeah I tried to like get um uh a dj that understands like what kind of audience members we have yeah um and just cater to that but i feel like for me like music and comedy has always been like something that you put together like i mentioned before i grew up on like um like def def jam like comedy Mm so they always had they always had like a, a dj there who would play music and stuff like that so I was trying to put the two together yeah. get a good show.
0: I I just got PTSD because of me being a stripper and for all the years. And um, I worked at nude clubs. So certain songs I'll hear will trigger me. And I can't look at roast beef the same.
1: (laughs) So that's really like... She's like, please don't play that song. What's the trigger song?
0: Different trigger. Oh, I'll tell you. There's a lot of... um, Nine Inch Nails songs do not play. Um, I
1: don't even know who that is. Nine Inch oh, yeah,
0: that's how long I that's how old I am. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of songs, <laughs> well,
1: don't put it that way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how old I am. Nine, remember Nine Inch Nails? No, um, yes, yeah, uh, there's oh, definitely the one that Modelie Crew that girls gone, girls, girl. Oh, that's a song that I never went to. I thought hear. it would be
1: more like, I mean, the most. Generic one that comes to mind is uh pour some sugar on me or something like that. I feel like yeah that, that one comes out, thing. so
0: I started dancing in nineteen ninety five this is how old I am,
1: and I was two years old yeah you were you were um, <laughs> not not to be rude
0: <laughs> yeah no i don't i I always joke around about my age and stuff, but um, so in the time period of when i worked at clubs they were strip clubs they were a lot different they even didn't play rap so much or r&b they you 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 were forbidden oh no don't play no r&b it was a different very different era so there's this the thing with me because i worked at clubs with loud music i had an appreciation for a, my nights off i wanted to go somewhere quiet chill not so uppity. So I, and as a child, I enjoyed comedy. You know, I grew up with um, Johnny Carson. I grew up watching Saturday Night Live. So, you know, me as a comedy fan, I enjoy going to the comedy shows very much more. And I've never been a music person because of the stripping.
1: You, you could offer me Beyonce. Yeah, that, makes, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I was saying before, like a lot of like, um women that I used to do their hair and makeup were like sex workers and I would always be like what is something that you would just enjoy doing and most of them would be like I would love to go to a pottery like class (laughs) I would love to do this and it would just be the opposite of what like me like if I were if you were to ask me like what I would like what my if I wanted my Saturday night to look like honestly I would do two or three shows end up at a bar like, smoking and just dancing until 4 a.m. in the morning and then waking up at, like, 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday and then going to Trader Joe's. Like, that would be the ideal weekend for me. But if I say that to somebody who is in that lifestyle, like, constantly, they're like, no, thank you. I would love to do, like, a Saturday night in, watching movies, like setting up a new closet or something like just enjoying t- and it's because they're in that right that, at, that atmosphere that environment so yeah. much so well put I it this it. way
0: I if somebody were to say hey do you want some Beyonce tickets or do you want to um to me or do you want to see um, let me see if a com- comedian that I would want to see oh, I gotta think because I've seen them all um Dave Chappelle I would pick Dave Chappelle way over Beyonce I would turn down See, and, and if I, you asked me I would be like I would rather go to Beyonce <laughs> yeah for me I'd be like in fact I did turn down Jay-Z and Beyonce once and a lot of people that's ludicrous but I'm like I just concerts I'm just not like yeah you know what I'm saying I would rather go to a comedy show so you need yeah, more for me, people I like, would be like I would be like,
1: I'll take Beyonce. I've seen <laughs> Dave Chappelle so many times, I'm just like... Oh, I, I haven't... And just, like, it's nothing nothing against him. Like, obviously, he's the GOAT. But, right. like, every time Dave Chappelle's at the stand, it's like he does his show, he sells out, obviously. But then there's, like, this party until 7am in the morning. Mm. And because you're a comic, you're there to neck you're yeah. there to connect with your other comics and stuff like that. So, that party is just for comics. But it's like until 7 a.m., Jesus Christ, guys, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, can we do this? Can we do this in the middle of the day? <laughs> but it's like, no, that's just that's just yeah. how it is. Yeah. So, for me, if you were to be like, be other, there should probably be like, be outside. So mm-hmm. well.
0: Yeah. I'm, it's see, the I'm going, right, right.
1: For me, I'm going
0: home afterwards oh, I saw him. That's good. Like last night I was at a comedy show um, and I was like, oh, I saw her. Good. It was Sarah Contreras, who's a Puerto Rican comic. um, And I was so happy. This is the first time I saw her in person, but right away afterwards, okay, I'm going home. It's nice. Like, I don't want to kick it anymore. Um, And they had a great lineup. What I have to say, that whole lineup, it was uh, four African-American, I think three or four African-American comics, one Latina comic, who was Sarah Conteras, all of them were really, really good and strong, but I was thinking, I was like, I've never seen this oh, kind of comedy at the stand. I was
1: like, wait, I, I that name sounds so familiar. Yeah. You were on comedy in Harlem, comedy in Harlem, right?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, Polly, uh, Polygon or something like that. It was called Polly. I oh, that's in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Polly. I can't even think of the name where I went. I spent way more money, though, than I would spend at the... This is the thing. The place was Polygon in Brooklyn. That's where I was at last night. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I spent way more money, which was crazy, because spent way more money on the tickets to get in and the food than I ever did at the stand. The, the lineup of the comics were amazing, um, the venue, I'll be honest, wasn't that great. I love the stand because I love the food at the stand. And I yeah, and t- a lot of
1: people say it's, that. Yeah, yeah I, I I could care less. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, he, the stand is great for having food and having building that
0: yeah. atmosphere
1: when it comes to comedy, because yeah. a lot of people don't realize when it comes to comedy, you don't have to go to like somebody's basement. Yeah. And just like get like, brink-a-dink chicken nuggets and french fries like the thing does give you that option where it's like no would you like to see this great show but also have like tiramisu or have like this great pizza or like yesterday the other day I had a I had uh, this steak with with salad I was like man this is delicious no their food's the
0: best yeah
1: I see Uh. like the atmosphere that you know that they created for that club so that's really great that that I will say like they created that yeah that's about it yeah they did create no but I I, I just so funny like whenever people talk about the stand I was just like yeah it's a club right well no
0: for me I I the food so last night I saw an awesome lineup and This is the sad reality of what's going on in this world still to this day. This lineup was awesome. It was all women. They were fantastic. Four African-American women. One, I think it was three or four. I can't remember right now. Um, And then I was, you know, Sarah was the, the only Puerto Rican. And I'm like, you go to the stand, though, the lineup is like white guy, white guy, white girl. Okay, here's somebody else of a different ethnicity, white person. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 and and,
1: then. It's because, like I was, uh, like I was mentioning earlier in our uh, conversation, the clubs are going to put people up that could put asses in seats. Yep. They don't care about what kind of material you got, they care about the amenities you bring to that business. Yeah. So, for instance, like, that's why they have Hannah Burner. Hannah Burner can post two days before that she's having a show there and sell it out in an hour. Yeah. That's how good her audience is. You have people like, um, who else is like that there? Uh, Sean, Sean Guinness. He, now Sean is, he's hysterical. But obviously, he's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So even like Stank uh the League Legends of Stank or something like that, they mm-hmm. have a podcast shooting every Monday there. Yeah, and it's just like they obviously sell out months in advance because it's it's who they are. The it's popularity. What they bring. Yeah. So it's like you you do get like different audiences, but it's also like you get. Like when like, when you have certain comics, you get their weird ass audiences. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's just like you yeah. want to see this person, but you don't want to deal with like the shitty people that come with that. <laughs> that comic. I know what
0: you're talking about. I know what you're talking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And
1: it just, so but it's I like it's a it's yeah. a give and take with yeah. a lot of these comedy clubs today because that's what they want. They want As Seeds. they want people, and also um, aesthetics. Like, I've been told from a club before that I'm not their look. And that's why they won't audition me. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw that they passed somebody that was like, that started in February. And I was just like, okay, now I know what you want. You want a pretty girl with mediocre material who's skinny. I get it. I get it. And it's fine. Perfectly fine. Because it's not what they're saying at the beginning is what they'll say at the end. And that's my goal right now is just to get so good that they can't divide me that stage. Yeah.
0: Because it's yeah. a shame. I, at me as the customer, me as sitting in, I don't care how the performer looks. I want to know the material. I want to hear the material. I want to laugh at the material. I want to relate. And I have sat through some comics and all I can think of is, who the hell are they fucking to get on stage right now? Like, because they're terrible. Like, and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm feeling I'm like, am I being a catty
1: woman to think this? But like, I know. yeah. And you would think that's how people are these days. Yeah. But if I were to go, if I were to go to the stands website right now mm-hmm. and I go comedians, you will not see one fat person on there. That's a woman. Mm. You they might have Jay, Big Jay Olkerson. That's it. Yeah, every woman on there, take for granted. Like, they do have uh, like they have Glorelli's uh, who's a, a black Latina, mm-hmm. and um, uh, they have who else is past there? That's a uh, uh, Nina. Um, just they do have black women and um I think they have like one Arab girl Mm -hmm. but they're all skinny Mm. and no Tino no shade no pink lemonade to them they did that they got they got their weight in that's good but it's just it's insane how a lot of clubs will like will not give a stage because I'm not the only plus-size comedian I know I'm not the only plus size comedian. There's bigger girls out there than me on stage, so it's a, it's not just a, a me me me. This is a me problem. No, this is a situation that's happening ongoing. Yeah, just as you say, you see no representation for Latinos on stage. I see no representation for people my size on stage. Mm-hmm. So going going into this comedy game, not only am I a Latina, not only am I a woman of color, one. Um. I am a plus size woman. I'm also very, very uh, bitchy on stage. <laughs> I, t- I tell it like it is.
0: Yeah. Like
1: I've done, I've done crowd work where I've called a man facetious as fuck just because the way he said his answer. Yeah. And I, and the, and the crowd loves it. Some clubs will not, they won't like that. Yeah. They won't like it if you are telling an audience member to fuck off just because they're white. So, a lot of clubs, while, you know, while I'm saying, like, a lot of clubs don't look at material, a lot of clubs look for a certain look, look for a certain lane, that way they don't get into trouble. And it's just, like, I get it. I get where you're coming from. I do. But it's also, like, you don't even give me a chance. Or any, like, I, I don't really see a lot of plus size women. Besides, mm-hmm. like, I see, like, dudes say Salon, but she's at the cellar. Because she yeah. earned that. She earned that. Like, homegirl is five. Yeah. She's amazing. But other than that, I don't really see a lot of plus-size women. Mm. So, yeah, that's just where I'm at. Yeah. Sure. Not to put you in an awkward situation. Right no.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I don't look at... Like I just I'm hearing the material. I wanna I wanna laugh. I don't come to a, a comedy show, but I I've, I've seen s- some people that I'm like, what the
1: hell's going on? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and it's it you get weird people. Like it's just, yeah. I'm like, all right, this is what you want. And
0: now I I it's the, also the uncomfortable where people are getting too political, where they're going too right to like yeah. ultra right and that is like and they go oh well everybody's trying to cancel us or whatever no you're you're, you're now you're you're riding a, a bandwagon that's not cool that's not nobody wants you're not being canceled it's nobody wants to be
1: around a jackass yeah a lot of people will not I think i'll I'll give you a prime example. there's a guy I went to go host the eleven uh eleven p m at Broadway mm-hmm. and there's a comic I'm not gonna say a name, but he's just up and down just as like Joe Pescio, if that makes sense <laughs> and I heard from another comic who told me that before that show before the show I hosted. A previous show, he went on stage and said the N-word. And he said the N-word to another white person. Mm -mm. Trying 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 to be funny. And so when he did that, he walked half of the audience. And this is what another comic told me. You know? So Mm. as a host, I went up to him and I go, This is my show. Don't fuck up my show. Because mm-hmm. I will light you, and you will get off that stage early. Because I hate doing damage damage control.
0: Yeah.
1: I hate it. I hate it. And I guess the manager did not like that. and She was like, can't really speak to comics that way. And I was just like, I am also a comic. So yeah. from comic to comic, I'm going to address any situation. Good I for
0: am. you. Yeah, good for you. Stand up. I like that when people stand up for Doing the right thing. So
1: it's just like, I was just like, I'm not dealing with this. You are not going to say any any derogatory, anything, any slurs on my stage. Because mm-hmm. I will light you up. I will get you off the stage. I will rip that mic off of your hand. Because it's like, as a host, bro, I'm not only keeping the energy up, I have to sustain it. I have to keep it together. And like, if you come on there, just drop it n word. Now you making this making this harder for me. How am I going to yeah. bring it back up? Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to look like a pussy just I'm sorry for that guys I did not know he was going to do that like this and then it's going to look bad on my part. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's terrible. Like it's it's just not there's
0: no place for it. No place at all. No place at yeah.
1: all. I mean the The club aesthetic is interesting. I will say this, working in the Brooklyn scene is really good too. That's where you see your diversity a lot. It's in the Brooklyn scene. A lot of these Brooklyn shows um, now are catering to that Gen Z aesthetic, where if you look at a lineup, you'll always see like, you'll see a black gay person or you'll see uh, a transgendered individual where you'll see a non binary individual on a lineup. And that's beautiful because we have that diversity. We have that. But at the end of the day, don't get me wrong, half of these people are still white. Yeah. All these lineups are very white. And it's like that weird alternative jokes that not, it's not gonna transfer over to a lot of people. But it's yeah. cool to see it's cool to see like, you know, shows being different, especially in Brooklyn, you know. So it's cool like that, but I call it, so the comedy scene ideally is divided into two. You have your club babies and you have your Brooklyn elites, right? Brooklyn elites, name itself, it's mostly comics that perform under that Brooklyn umbrella, right? So you have a lot of underdogs that come from the Brooklyn scene, like um, Gio Marco was from the Brooklyn scene. Resi was from the Brooklyn scene. Uh, Amina Amani was from the Brooklyn scene until she got into the clubs. Um, who else was very much in the Brooklyn scene? Um oh, uh Sereni uh Rio, Rio Roski. I'm sorry, I'm butchering her last name. Um Asha Ward, who is now a writer for SNL came through the Brooklyn scene. Oh. But it's it's also like to, that the, being a comic in Brooklyn will also get you represented real fast mm. because if you think about it a lot of these reps where do they live Brooklyn in Brooklyn yeah they're gonna go somewhere close to where they live so they don't they're not far away I'm catching myself these-
0: living in Brooklyn I'm going to Brooklyn shows more because it's such yeah. a pain in the ass to go to the city so you're absolutely right yeah and I've been so, to quite a few comedy shows where I've, I've actually sat, I went to one one time and it was on a Wednesday and I saw everybody there but I was like, on my show, on this show I was like, nobody caught my eye that I, because I was like, I need to go out more to shows to find people for this show, but there was nobody really caught my eye that I felt like I related to that I wanted on my show, that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. You just,
1: the, you're not, if you are like the, the generation before millennial you're not going to relate to anybody in brooklyn yeah like i uh, uh i've i've done crowds i've done shows in brooklyn where they'll have like a mom and pop come in and they're just they're just out walking enjoying their night and they see a comic show they're like oh my god let's go see it and they're not having any type of fun because you know, <laughs> these, are, these, these these comics are young and they are they have material that you can only see on TikTok, so the the older generations do not to understand it. They yeah. have nothing to cling on, so it's just like I you have to beware of your. Like I said once again, beware of your audience. Yeah, be
0: that's true. Be aware of your audience.
1: Yeah, and that's when- where like a lot of the a lot of these young Brooklyn comics don't understand. Be, they're like, I don't care. I'm gonna be myself on stage. It's just like, yeah, you could be yourself on stage, but also make it relatable to the older generation. Oh yeah, make it yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, please make it relatable. Cause yeah, I remember I went to one little show and I found out and it was very convenient to me. Very, very super convenient. And I went there and I was like, oh, okay. And it was primarily white and in Brooklyn, but it was not, it was not relatable. It was not, like last night, what I went to was very relatable very great audience. I mean very great um lineup. And I was like, wait a minute, why aren't they performing at the, the, the I was like this one everybody here was so good. Like, you know, why aren't they performing more places? So I, I see what's I see what's going on. <laughs> you see certain patterns
1: and you're just like Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I
0: want. So, Lisa, tell us how, tell my audience how they can find you, uh, your social media and
1: everything else. Um, You can find me on every platform under the name damn underscore Lisa, D-A-M-N-N underscore L-I-S-S-A. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I mean, Bodega Kids is at New York Comedy Club every first Monday of the month. At 7 p.m., we are at the Midtown location. Uh, coming up, we have our two-year anniversary, June 5th. And that is going to be a mystery lineup because oh. we have a very, very special guest. Very. It's it's a Bodega Kids first. So that one's going to be recorded. What day is that, uh June 5th.
0: June 5th. Okay. I'm going to have to go. June 5th
1: at 7. We have uh, this Monday coming up a show with a lot of uh, young comics as well. That's another thing I try to keep my eye out for young comics and give them a stage.
0: Good. Good. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out today and being on uh, my Sunday Funday podcast. Thank you for having me.
1: This was amazing. I enjoyed my time.